Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You're about to listen to another proud presentation brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention the podcast for 10% off of your order. Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm... Doug. Sorry. <laughs> oh, shit. Did I leave the... Oh, no. I just Ron Burgundied the shit out of that. <laughs> Wow, that was my fault. I mean, not really. I know how this works. <laughs> are we going to keep that in or are we starting over? I was probably going to start over, but it's... Okay, it's... that sounds good. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling. 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 Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Doug. And I'm Derek. And is your spider sense tingling? Yes, and it's telling me I'm confusing capitalism with communism? Mmm, classic mistake. To listen to this show, find us on foureyedradio.com and wherever you get your podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. And we are talking about the 2003 MTV animated Spider-Man cartoon, animated Spider-Man cartoon, animated Spider-Man show, mm-hmm. uh, officially titled nowadays, Spider-Man the New Animated Series. Yes, yeah, not quite new anymore, but you know. Um, not so new anymore. Yeah. Uh, new to me, though. This is the first time I'm watching it through. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got off to a little bit of a rough start. A little bit. That's uh, with the <laughs> premiere. Uh, not a great episode. If you didn't listen to that one, uh, there's a lot to chew on. So feel free to go back. Plus, there's really good production stuff about this show in that first episode. So definitely worth listening to. Uh, but today we're talking about the second episode uh, in this series, at least as was intended. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, this episode is interesting for a very particular reason in that uh, I just want right, to get it out of the way right now. We're going to talk about it a little more, but we got a kingpin in this episode. We do get a kingpin. But I think the context for when this episode came out is important because this comes out, I think, roughly the same year as Daredevil, the movie, comes out, which has Michael Clark Duncan as kingpin. Mm-hmm. Michael Clark Duncan, we'll talk about it a little more, but he reprises his role as kingpin in this episode. And kingpin is like portrayed as a black man in this episode, which I think is very directly uh, inspired by Michael Clark Duncan in Daredevil, right? Because I think mm-hmm. that was the first time that uh, Kingpin wasn't a white dude. So that obviously is an initial people were making those connections at the time. What I think is kind of interesting is that on the audio commentary for this, when they were in production for it, the Daredevil movie hadn't actually come out. So they knew that Michael Clark Duncan was going to be Kingpin in that movie. Um, but it was still about like six months before release. I'm sure the people working on this show wasn't weren't going to have like super in-depth access to like the scripts or whatever for, for that movie movie necessarily because it's not a spider-man thing Mm -hmm. 
but they did want to use Kingpin. So uh, I think it's from what I gathered, I don't think this was sort of like, I don't think this was like a, a, a top down synergy kind of thing. I think it was the creators of the show wanted to have Kingpin in their show and tried to get him in their show. Right. So they said that they had to get a ton of permission. We know later on down the line with things like spectacular, if they wanted to use Kingpin, they weren't allowed to get that permission. But in this case, I guess it was early enough. The movie hadn't even come out yet. The time that they were in production, they were able to get that permission to get Kingpin into the show, even though he was technically under the daredevil license. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a, I guess it's like kind of cool that this is sort of the last time we can see Kingpin until probably more recently, this is the la- probably would would be the last time that we would ever see Kingpin uh, in a Spider-Man thing. Yeah, that that means that like everyone's sort of like, oh, I guess this is like a Daredevil sequel because by the time this episode comes out, Daredevil has come out, right? Uh, but what I think is kind of interesting is that kind of like when we were talking about the inception of the show and its connection to the Raimi movies, they were very deliberately like, we know that we're sort of using the Raimi movies for like a background and in broad strokes, but we like, we still want to do our own thing. It was sort of the similar thing here where it's like, well, we've got Michael Clark Duncan as Kingpin and that's cool. And we're going to like sort of tenuously say that he's connected, but like, we don't really want to make him that Kingpin. We still want to have a lot more of the classic Kingpin. Um, and there's a couple of like references to comics Kingpin. They didn't want to have the exact likeness of, Michael Clark Duncan not that they could have really done that in this show but like this Kingpin looks nothing like Michael Clark Duncan mm-hmm. at all in any stretch of the imagination he really does look a lot more like the classic Kingpin in his like body type and structure and everything yeah. um, so it ends up being kind of like Michael Clark Duncan just playing classic Kingpin or at least that's sort of what they're aiming for which is how we sort of get this uh, kind of amalgam kingpin that is like pretty much nothing like the daredevil version of the character other than Michael Hark Duncan playing him. Mm-hmm. So that's just the context for it. It, it, the daredevil of it all really doesn't play into this episode in particular at all. Uh, other than the fact that it is Michael Clark Duncan, which is cool, but otherwise it's, it's pretty irrelevant. Like you could have never seen daredevil uh, or you could have never known the daredevil version existed and have lost nothing for this other than the coolness of it being him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the novelty is really just in the fact that, that it's, that he's voiced by a guy who then, or then also simultaneously is portraying, uh, Kingpin on screen. Yeah. I don't know that there, I mean, I guess we'll get into it, but I don't know that there's uh, a ton of novelty elsewhere with this Kingpin, but maybe I can be convinced. (laughs) I think that this episode is better than the first one. Not that the bar is very, um, high. I think the bar is super low. Yeah. Yeah. And uh and we can get into it. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> so if you want to if you want to watch this episode that we're about to talk about, um you can do that a couple of ways. It is available for digital purchase on Amazon Prime, but you can also get a DVD set of it. So, um a couple different ways you can watch it and it's not one that is impossible to have physical media of, which is always nice. Yeah. Yes. This one that we're talking about is Spider-Man, the new animated series episode two, if you're going by the DVD order or the intended release order, as we understand it, or episode five, if you uh, watched this in real time while it was airing on TV, and it's called Royal Scam. And the synopsis for this one per IMDb is Spider-Man is tricked into stealing a valuable technology by the Kingpin. Oh, that's it. That's it. That's the whole synopsis. That's it. That's (laughs) straightforward. Yeah. I mean, that's what happens. Yeah. The original air date was August 15th, 2003, which is notably before <laughs> the episode uh-huh. we covered last week. So that's going to be a fun airing order thing. We're jumping all around the timeline oh as, we, as we do these episodes. We don't normally go that in-depth with the writers, but 
the writer of this episode, Rick Suvali, his credits, I was just on a roller coaster when I was going through his IMDb. So can I just walk you through these things Please that do. he worked on? So one of the main things he wrote on was VIP, which makes sense because the showrunner of this show or the head writer, one of the, one of the co-executive producers, I don't remember which one, uh, did work on VIP. And that was a live action dramedy starring Pamela Anderson, right? Um, oh my God, I have a note that says Morgan Grundle was the one who worked on it and I could have just referenced <laughs> that. Whatever. That's, I'm just all over the place with this dude because first of all, okay, he worked on a live action dramedy starring Pamela Anderson. That's a very particular kind of place to be mm-hmm. in television and in Hollywood at that point, right? In addition, he also worked on the dub of an Astro Boy anime remake. So already like, huh, usually people who like do anime dubs are kind of in their own sort of sphere or they cross over with like, action animation or whatever Mm -hmm. like american animation so it's sort of weird to be like pamela anderson tv show and astro boy that's already kind of weird he also worked on a kid's show called mission force one okay that feels a little more in line with the astro boy thing right yeah yeah he also wrote two hallmark channel rom-com movies called campfire kiss and honeymoon for one now we're pivoting to hallmark movies Mm -hmm. interesting well that's its own vibe Then we're also going to pivot to TV horror movies like The Hollow, Scarecrow, and Roadkill. Haven't seen any of them. They all had low ratings on IMDb, but now we're pivoting from Hallmark to horror. Okay. Interesting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Then he also created a show. So there's plenty of avenues you can go from, from all the things that I've listed. But what he decides to create is Thomas and Friends, All Engines Go, a new Thomas the Tank Engine series adaptation for little kids. All right. Okay. I guess he's just in the little like preschool sphere now because then he writes on a bunch of preschool shows, including <laughs> one called Doug Unplugs. That was just for you. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. So he writes a ton of preschool shows and becomes the story editor on a show <laughs> called The Stinky and Dirty Show. Which um, sounds beautiful, I guess. Why are it, all of his preschool shows? I'm I'm dirty. I'm a dirty adult. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the stinky and dirty show, an and animated preschool, <laughs> an animated preschool show about a garbage truck and a backhoe loader who are friends, featuring the voices of Wallace Shawn, Jane Lynch, Andy Richter, Joan Cusack, Whoopi Goldberg. And Egot, Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> I just, the dude, I guess he's a jack of all trades because he's been in like literally every genre and all age, like every single age group you could possibly be a part of. So Look, Rick does whatever he wants. Good for you, I guess. I just. I mean, yeah. Good for you, period. Yeah. <laughs> that's not, And that's, not, you know, that's only just a slice of his. I'm just like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> The deeper I went, the more I was like, am I, am I on this right page? Am I losing my mind? I don't understand, but cool. I don't think you have credits like this unless you're just purely pursuing projects that you want to pursue. I guess so. I guess so. Rick Suvali, man. I mean, Get why not? That paycheck, dude. Hell yeah. Look, he's created shows, story editor. He's getting so many residuals from like every, every genre and network you could possibly get. So more power to you, dude. Live in your life. I mean, you've written more television than I have, so... There you go. Yeah, and I can't imagine a world where you are writing Hallmark Channel movies and TV horror movies and creating a Thomas and Friends show, and it w- those aren't all things that you specifically were interested in doing. It doesn't sound like he is like known as the insert whatever thing here guy, you know? 
I, I this sounds great to me. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> the um and uh the directed by credit is way less interesting. It's it's actually pretty much what you'd expect. Um, this episode was directed by Vincent Edwards. He's directed on Roughnecks: The Starship Troopers Chronicles, which is one that the one of the executive producers of the show worked on. So uh, that makes sense. He's also worked on a show called Little Krishna. I don't know what that's about. And also a Max Steel film as well. So those checks out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's predominantly a storyboard artist, including on Jackie Chan Adventures, Godzilla the Series, Men in Black the Series, Big Guy and Rusty, and more. So many of those have come up before, all yeah. from this time period. Love to be hearing more Jackie Chan Adventures crossover. Absolutely. Absolutely. Always. Well, two characters I feel like spotlighting here, one of which we kind of already have in Kingpin, who's voiced by, like you said, Michael Clark Duncan, uh, who, like you said, portrayed Kingpin in the 2003 Daredevil film. Um, He's also, if you didn't see that film or don't know him from that, (laughs) uh, you might know him from his breakout role in the Green Mile, and likely he's recognizable from roles in Armageddon, the whole nine yards. Uh, And for the few who saw it, he portrayed Balrog in The Legend of Chun-Li. Oh, wow. Which is a movie I frequently forget exists. <laughs> I do. I didn't know Michael Clark Duncan was in it either. <laughs> I didn't either. The only person I knew being in that movie was uh, Lana Lang. Yep. Kristen Crook. Yep. That's, that's the only one that's that I knew. That's her name. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, voice-wise, Duncan voiced Kilowog in the 2011 Green Lantern movie, one of the rhino commanders, Vashir in Kung Fu Panda, and Tug in Brother Bear. Mm-hmm. Both of the both of the folks that we're highlighting voice-wise are distinctly known for their deep voices. Yeah, it's funny that <laughs> both, both of them, them both of them are in this episode actually. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because they they both feel like the type of actors that would be contacted for similar parts, yeah, you know? Yeah, for sure. Cuz the other one uh is Keith David and he plays a character named Agent Mosley in this. Um, he's an FBI agent, and he voiced Tombstone in the character's first Spectacular Spider-Man appearance, but not every Spectacular Spider-Man appearance. And like I said, he also has a very recognizable voice. He's Goliath in Gargoyles, Black Panther in the 90s Fantastic Four cartoon, Dr. Facilier in The Princess and the Frog, David Anderson in the Mass Effect games, Flame King Adventure Time, uh, Mr. Bones in the Stargirl series, and tons more. Yes. One of those voices you've heard a lot of even if you didn't realize that you'd heard the same guy over and over beautiful voice too yeah they both have great voices mm-hmm. it, it would be amazing if you also got like keith michael richardson in here because yeah, they're Kevin all michael like Ke- yeah oh god yeah three names these three names <laughs> too many three names <laughs> um uh if, if if he were in here also you'd have like three of these guys that are often contacted for these like deep rich mm-hmm. like vocal performances yep well, let's let's get into this episode so this opens with Peter working on figuring out his monthly expenses while Harry, uh, Harry is just kind of carelessly flinging around an expensive sculpture. And it's like, loosen up, Peter. I, I don't I, I know how it, I'm I'm rich, so I know how it is for you. Did, uh, did you take like a look at not to just start digging in like right at the top of this episode before literally anything has happened? But did you really take any like a, a, a in-depth look on what uh, what Peter's expenses actually are? Because I did take a picture of it. I definitely did not. It would have just made me mad, I bet. It's actually just doesn't make any sense. Some of it is frustrating in that like gas is 24.95, which like goddamn, I wish that I only spent 24.95 <laughs> on a month of gas. Um although he's in 
like Manhattan. So he doesn't even really need a car and you can web swing. So maybe don't deal with, maybe unless he means like gas heat. Maybe. Oh, that's what I assumed when you said gas. Yeah, actually that makes more sense. Uh, my mind, I, I don't have gas heat where I live right now. So that, my mind went to cars. So that makes more <laughs> sense. That's actually more reasonable. Phone bill is 5691, which if you have I a wish. good, I wish if you have a really good plan, maybe in 2003, that probably checks out, but yeah, way yeah. more than that now. Let's see. Insurance, $249. I mean, <laughs> yeah. What kind of insurance, buddy? <laughs> I know, right? It, it depends. Um, electricity, $51.90. That means, oh. Yeah, that's actually, actually like right around where mine typically is. Yeah, it's pretty reasonable. Um, here's when it gets, well, in student loans, $134.69. First of all, weird that you're playing, paying student loans while you're a freshman in college right now, mm-hmm. but cool that I guess you're getting a head start on it, but weird that it's happening. But like, I, that's not abnormal. I've seen them be way higher and, and, and lower than that before. Yeah. You know? Unfortunately, this, I mean, well, fortunately and unfortunately, fortunately because it gives you flexibility, but unfortunately that it, none of this is as necessary as they make yeah. it seem. You can like, you can haggle student loans yeah. like basically yeah. <laughs> so, so here's where, here's where it gets like utterly insane in both directions this 19 year old with a credit card his monthly credit card bill is 349 dollars and what cents. the hell peter what did you buy <laughs> in 2003 yes what oh my god groceries 459 dollars and nine cents which is like, I spend a lot on groceries now because I cook a lot. But when you're in college, you don't spend that fucking much on groceries. What are you doing? When you're in college and your whole thing is being broke. Right. <laughs> 400 and almost $500 a month on just food. Come on, man. That's wild. You can tighten that belt up. Here's This is even worse, though, because at least food is food. You do need that to survive. His DVD budget, not Stop electronics, it. not electronics, not fun, not not like general stuff. DVDs specifically, three hundred and one dollars and sixty one cents. I'm so glad I didn't look at this. That's just Sony. That's just That's- Sony being like everybody spends this much on DVDs, right? Because <laughs> I think this is the same episode that like has product placement for a Sony Ericsson phone, mm-hmm. which is so fun. I mean, I expected it because it's a Sony, you know, Sony production or whatever, but yeah. it's just so funny. It's a cartoon. Uh-huh. Last but not least, rent for his half of a of this apartment is uh, $1,140, which at first That's- I'm like- incredible hmm. for where he lives exactly that's what i was at first i was sort of like oh i guess that makes sense you know he's, he's splitting it up and i'm like wait this is a gigantic apartment in yeah. the middle of manhattan yeah <laughs> proportionally that's incredible compared to what i pay you know right. what i mean right good right. god and his monthly income is $1,100, which actually is, I think, pretty good for a freelance photographer that's also in college. Like, yeah, I, would I think so. I was making like 300 bucks a month when I was in college. So like, hmm. yeah, um, basically- well, stop buying DVDs, you dumb fuck. <laughs> no, I First know. off- I really want to know what's on it, what his credit card debt is. What did you I mean? Was it just buying equipment to build his web shooters and stuff? Maybe, maybe <laughs> I want to see his DVD collection, <laughs> right? It's gotta be massive. Good lord! How much did a did a new DVD cost thirty dollars in two thousand three? Uh, it's like twenty bucks, I think twenty to twenty to thirty. That's what I assume what now. Yeah. Like I, I usually associate them with like twenty bucks, but they haven't really changed. Mm-hmm. Wild. Anyway, <laughs> well, 
Yeah, so he's struggling with money because the dude cannot handle his his his, his money at all. He really I mean, needs help budgeting. Yeah, but yeah, like I'm saying, you know, Harry's just like, I'm rich. I don't understand. Loosen up, Peter. Maybe skip a class once in a while. And uh, Peter explains like, oh, my finances are tight because I I I, I obsessively buy DVDs many a day uh, and Harry suggests getting a job at Oscorp. So Peter can stop obsessing over Spider-Man and following them and taking all those pictures because he yeah. hates Spider-Man. That spider freak. Yeah. And this is the scene when Harry like starts confusing capitalism with communism, right? Yep. Absolutely. It's like one of yeah. the first things that happens. Yeah. He like quotes something about like need and all that sort of stuff. I was like, yeah. capitalism, am I right? And Peter's like, no, that's communism, buddy, which that's a thing that happens frequently, especially mostly confusing capitalism with socialism these days, but same vibes, basically. <laughs> well, luckily, Harry leaves the apartment. <laughs> yeah. We don't have to deal with him. <laughs> we don't want you here right now. Yeah, we don't need you right now. <laughs> Not in the mood. Um, and when he does, a helicopter flying wildly about outside catches Peter's attention, of course. So he suits up and tails it as it chases a car on the city. Just sort of like happens. We don't really get an explanation. Um, when he ultimately catches up with it, they do land the helicopter and explain that they're FBI agents and that they were actually trying to get his attention to recruit him for a special mission of national importance, which... This is wild considering what we learn later on, but okay. <laughs> it really it really is though. Uh, yeah, so the agent asked Spider-Man if he's familiar with international monetary transfers and of Spider-Man's course. like, I mean, yeah, who isn't? And explains that the vast majority of bank trans uh transactions are completed using encrypted satellite transmission. Is that true? I don't know. Maybe. I have no idea. The number <laughs> of times I had to listen to this conversation because my brain simply would not. would not. It just was like, we're not supposed to hear or pay any attention to this, Doug. This is the uh, is another instance of like, well, you, you wouldn't do this on a Saturday morning cartoon talking about the economy and international monetary transfers and sure encrypted wouldn't. satellite instant transmissions for the economy, would you? So they're you embracing, embracing the uh, <laughs> older audience. Now, is it the MTV audience that cares about this? I don't think so either, so maybe miss the mark a little bit. But Who is the audience that does? That's true. So uh, the, the FBI dude says that recently the FBI discovered that a super chip called the TX-1 can decrypt those transmissions, allowing whoever possesses it to wreak havoc on the global economy. Oh no, the economy! So Spider-Man's mission is to retrieve the TX-1 from a heavily guarded lab 60 stories up and return it to the FBI. According to them, it's sort of like, well, you're the only dude who can get in here because of your spidering that I think the dude refers to like regular bipeds couldn't do it. So you can. I really appreciate how exciting you tried to make all that sound. I'm sorry. I'm trying so hard. It's so boring. Bank transactions, satellite encryption. All all that amounts to is a chip means that you can, this chip means that bad guys can get lots of money easily and it'll wreck the economy somehow. That's all, that's all you need to know. Exactly. Exactly. Well, the helicopter takes off and it makes its way outside the city. We follow the helicopter, not Spider-Man, which is interesting uh, right off the bat. So takes off, makes its way outside the city to an offshore helipad where the FBI agents meet up with Kingpin? Huh. Turns out the whole thing, the whole rendezvous, the whole mission is a setup to trick Spider-Man into snagging the TX-1 chip for Kingpin. I like this idea 
a lot. I think it's absurd th- that this is how the FBI, how the, the fake FBI gets Spider-Man's attention, and all that stuff. But I do like the idea of like the way they introduce Kingpin into Spider-Man's universe is Kingpin recognizing who Spider-Man is and immediately like staging a literally just like a scam to to get him to like work for him incidentally, you know, without him realizing he's working with the bad guys. Like, I think all of that's kind of a fun idea, whether or not it's executed well, I think we can dive, dive into, but I think it's, a, I, I like the idea at its core. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's uh, I think it's a fun idea. And like you said, good way to introduce Kingpin into this environment. Mm-hmm. Well, back at ESU, Mary Jane lets Peter know that she's going to miss class in order to rehearse for a showcase that evening. Peter offers to record the class that she's going to miss And she's bummed because he didn't offer to miss class with her to attend the showcase, which isn't really what she said she was missing class for, but okay. Um, (laughs) She said she was missing class to rehearse. Yeah, I don't, don't but uh, to come with her to the rehearsal, whatever, it doesn't, she does ask that later. So maybe that's what she had in mind, but it is kind of fair that she's like sort of annoyed though, because she was directly inviting him to come and he's like, or I could go into the class and record it for you instead. So like, I get why she would be upset, but it's a, it's, it's all presented in kind of a weird, weird order. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they're like, like, I mean, she's like, I know you're interested in like being, you know, super cum laude or whatever. And Peter's being like a big science brainiac. And Peter's like, I actually prefer photography, which I think is an interesting character beat because most other iterations of, of Peter seem to be that like the photography thing he likes, but like he, he would rather be a scientist. And it's interesting that this one, like apparently is more interested in actually being a professional photographer. Right. Photography is sort of a necessity. If he could just get a job doing science, he would absolutely take it. Yeah. But it's kind of weird. Then it's like, well, then why are you a science major if you prefer photography? Or I guess maybe, I don't know, whatever. Uh, He's going to school for the science because it's better to get a degree in that, but he would rather work in photography. That's his real dream. Yeah. Yeah. Also funny that like Mary Jane specifically calls out that like there are people from Letterman that are coming to see her showcase. Yeah. What? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, yeah, I just don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I just think it's a funny call out. <laughs> she does. I mean, she walks away from this conversation and Harry lets Peter know that he's being a total doofus by not agreeing to skip class to go see Mary Jane's showcase, which I don't think conflicts with class. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> so. It probably does. I think they just I think they just stumbled over some wording here. I, I think we're supposed to understand that the showcase itself overlaps with class, maybe. But I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Later that day, <laughs> Spider-Man spends hours atop the skyscraper where the TX-1 is uh, being held, and he's kind of waiting for the opportunity to just snag it. It's like during this point that he calls uh, MJ while he's waiting. And he's like, okay, MJ, I'm going to be at your showcase. Wait, so it doesn't conflict with class? Nope. Anyway. Nothing makes fine. This show maybe isn't very well written. Maybe that's going to be just a common theme. So he's like, I'm going to be at your showcase. And actually, and she's like, oh, you want to meet up beforehand, uh, you know, and hang out a bit before, and, and then go there together? And he's like, yeah, sure. Wait, no, I'm literally here <laughs> staking out this building <laughs> to steal this chip for the FBI. Um, sorry, I can't. It's a moment of stupidity on his part, but I actually like, I like chuckled it. at it. It's like delivered very well. It's a very Spider-Man thing, too, because yeah. it's just a thing where he's just very caught up in the moment. And it's like, well, he mm-hmm. does like the girl and the idea of like, you know, hanging out does sound fun. And he, and he would do it if it wasn't for him being spider-man you know and so you know they they hang up and uh uh, spider-man swoops in and snags the tx1 it's not that hard to do he just grabs it from the 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 
the, the science lab place and delivers it to Kingpin in an alley. Kingpin's in a limo and he doesn't really like show himself, but it also like doesn't matter because Spider-Man has no idea who Kingpin is and uh, gives it away. And he's kind of disappointed because Kingpin's just like, well, I have this talked about it to no one. And Spidey's like, wait, what about the whole like I scratch your back, you scratch my back thing like that? That's it. Oh, OK. Well, did a favor for the FBI for nothing. So that sucks. Only gets yeah. worse. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> At least they established for us early on, like, why everything's happening. So we're just kind of, like, following along, you know? Of course. With uh, with five minutes to spare, Peter does actually arrive to the theater in time for MJ's showcase. But he's distracted when he sees a man who looks exactly like the FBI agent from the day before rehearsing lines outside the theater which is a wild coincidence but i like it kind (laughs) of oh i like it a lot it is a wild coincidence but i think that this is a nice bit i'm gonna pay every compliment i can for the show when it comes up because we've been so negative about it most of the time but i i do do, we've covered one episode (laughs) i know but we were very negative about it doug um should have been a better episode that's true it it was a shitty episode but i know i like this because it's a nice bit of like like storytelling sort of seamlessness right like you have the subplot the mary jane subplot that is about getting to the theater on time if you're going to have a hired actor working for kingpin then why not have the actor be at the theater that that peter goes to so it's almost like this the perfect i i like the spider-man peter parker dynamic stuff when it happens where it really is just the perfect like storm of the universe like shitting on him where it's like the of course the exact moment that he goes to mary jane's thing at a theater is when he sees the other actor there like revealing the spider-man thing dovetailing into the spider-man story so he has to leave to go forward with the spider-man story and you know wrecking peter's life with mary jane you know like i i always like that kind of stuff and i think it's actually kind of a clever bit of writing for a show that so far has not been very clever about its writing at all yeah yeah, I mean, he sees this. He sees this guy that he's like, that guy looks kind of familiar. And not only that, like, there's a stage manager basically being like, we wouldn't have to rehearse your lines outside five minutes before the show if you just show up for rehearsal. And the guy's like, well, I had a high paying gig yesterday, which tips Peter off to being like, well, he doesn't just look familiar. He's clearly the guy. Like, he's clearly the guy. So he he doesn't go to the show. Uh, realizes he's been duped, and he flips off to try to find Kingpin's limousine. When he does find the limousine, uh, he eavesdrops on a conversation between Kingpin and one of Kingpin's cronies who are concerned that Spider-Man probably going to catch on to being scammed because it was a pretty big royal scam. So, you know, they're figuring like he's going to ruin the next stage of their plan, which I will explain to you right now, Kingpin, is finding a satellite uplink, uplink to access the encrypted bank transactions. Exciting. So Kingpin assures his man that Spider-Man won't be able to get past the helicopter when it's actually attempting to kill him. When the bullets aren't blanks. Yeah. Love talking about satellite satellite uplink encryptions, <laughs> encrypted bank transactions. Most exciting. exciting Very high tech. World. I can't say any of those words either. They're all so, oh God, I don't like it in my mouth. <laughs> Let's keep going. Well, after Spider-Man fails to stop the limousine, because he does try, Kingpin pulls over anyway uh, to confront Spidey in an alley with two of his guys. They fail to shoot him, though they certainly try. So Kingpin busts out what is basically like a fancy cane 
that just has like weapons in it. <laughs> I love that shit though. Cause he's got that in the comics. Like, he, yeah. like I love that. Cause I mean, if you're going to, yeah, I just do... don't know what to call it other than like a cane with weapons. Yeah. Like, you know, but there's not like a word for it, <laughs> you know, for a show that so far and honestly to my memory, like doesn't really do a lot of comic book references, which is fine. Do your own thing. But I do like, like when they do pull out a very comic booky thing that we really never see in other Kingpin iter- iterations at all. Like the cool cane that blasts out, rays i mm-hmm. love that they have it in here does it really fit into this show Eh, not really but it's cool that it's there i like that it's here yeah i mean it's it's uh it's cool cane it doesn't like well no it does help actually like he hits he hits spider-man which gives him enough time to basically like land a huge punch on spider-man so this is mm-hmm. like spider-man's first real contact with kingpin and his strength and naturally, it stuns him long enough that Kingpin can get away, which he does by blowing up his own limousine. Yeah, geez, dude. <laughs> he blows up his own limousine and runs. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Hello, amazing friends. We just wanted to take a quick moment to thank our spectacular enough patrons, Bo, Eric, Steve, Carl, Katie, Mike, and Lillian. If you would like to support our show too, our way of saying thanks is by giving you lots of cool Spidey goodies. You'll have early access to all our episodes, including our AMAs, where we answer your burning questions about anything and everything. And we mean everything. If you join us at our $5 spectacular level, you get to hear us let loose and talk about wackier stuff in our After Dark commentaries or our movie commentaries, where we watch every single Spidey-related theatrical film from the Raimi films to Amazing Spider-Man to Spider-Verse, Venom, Avengers Endgame, and more. And at our amazing tier, we'll invite you to be a guest on our show. That's right, you. You all make our show better, whether it's by sending us Word Snappers words, making us fan art, joining our Discord community, or just listening to us every week. This is our way of saying thank you for supporting this show and inspiring us to dip into media even we didn't realize was on our radar. Whatever tier you opt into, thank you so much. Whether you're an avid listener or just stopping by, we appreciate you. From your friendly neighborhood podcasters, thank you. So Spider-Man's pretty defeated, which, standard. You know, he's just met Kingpin for the first time, doesn't know what he's up against, gets his butt whooped. We can expect that. What I wasn't expecting was for him to then make a call to the actual FBI to report what happened, right? To basically say, like, um... So this guy has this thing that could fuck up the whole world. Yep. And I'm sure he doesn't say it was him, but uh, that's not a call you want to have to make. Nope. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, and as we might expect, he realizes he's entirely missed MJ's show, so he can't even show up late. So skip to the next day where Peter is apologizing profusely for missing the show. We've seen this kind of scene before and other Spider-Man stuff. Uh, he promises he'll be at the next one. And Mary Jane's like actually very forgiving about it, honestly. And he offers MJ the recorded lecture and she's like, no, you just give it to me when you come to the show tonight. Uh, Cause I, I, I'm, I'm going to, to believe that she'll be there. So. Yeah, I'm sure. Whatever. I don't know why that's a thing, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> yeah. It's a thing to set up later with the, the yeah, I know. base is all it is. It would make more sense if he needed something from her, but I understand that's not what they set up. 
So elsewhere in a dark boardroom full of mysterious unidentified board members, Kingpin shares that in 24 hours, he'll be ready to put into action his plan to hijack the world's largest banks, allowing them to steal billions digitally. He also comments that thanks to Spider-Man, the world's stupidest superhero, the FBI is searching for the wrong person. Ha ha ha. All right. I have a couple questions here. Sure. Who is the wrong person that they're searching for? Spider-Man, I guess, because he's the one who broke in and stole it. So oh, he might be on cameras or whatever, maybe. And then who are these people? <laughs> I don't know, people he works with. The, cr- the criminal underground. It's just, you know. Who are they? You know. I have a question for you, too. Yeah. And just, like, your thoughts on it. Because, like, there's a thing that, like, it isn't really commented on, but, like, they do give this kingpin a character beat of, like, liking mm-hmm. food a lot, right? Hate it. Yeah, there's like a bit, you know, there's a bit earlier where he's like, like, better not touch my fries or whatever. And he eats burgers and there's like a burger emblem from some Burger King type joint on his limo for some reason. I think that's stupid. I don't I don't like that at all. I guess the only thing that I do appreciate, I guess, is that no one like really comments or makes fun of him. Well, Spider-Man does, but I guess that's part of the course. But like, I don't know. It didn't need to be there, but, but it's also like not as, not as hammered on as I kind of would have expected it to be. No, I'm not giving them praise for that or anything, Mm. but I, I, I really don't like it. I think it's, I I don't know. It's, it's so unnecessary that it's just like the only reason they would put it in is to be like, (laughs) fat guy likes fast food. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I I mean, like the guy who delivers it to him is even like, I don't eat that junk. And Kingpin's like, good. Like, uh, yeah. okay. <laughs> so I, I, I don't like it. I don't think it serves anything. I think you can do Kingpin and food well. I think um, Spider-Woman did an interesting thing with it without mm-hmm. making it insulting. Um, I think you can do, you could do something where it's necessary based on his size and the amount of energy that he expends. But this is just, it's, I think it's often played for a visual gag. You know, he's got, he's got his fast food. He's got his big coffee with like a mountain of whipped cream on it. And yeah, not, not for me, not for me. Sure. Especially because everything else in this episode is played a hundred percent straight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that night, uh, Peter barely arrives in time for Mary Jane's second show, uh, but he doesn't make it in because this time he's thrown into an FBI van and interrogated because basically they're like, we tracked your phone. We know you were the one who called in this tip. So like, what do you know, guy? These are actual FBI agents this time because they are the ones he called. And they basically are like, how do you know Spider-Man? Like, clearly there's a connection here. Tell us where he is. Are you Spider-Man? If you don't give me information, I'm going to treat you like you are Spider-Man. And he just like grills him harder and harder Mm -hmm. uh, to which Peter doesn't really respond at all. Yeah. (laughs) He does. I mean, like, what is he going to say? Yeah. I, I do like, I really actually like the, the idea that they recognize, like if Peter called them on, called the FBI on his own cell phone, of course they're going to be able to trace it, you idiot. And they just like call him out. It's like, yeah, we know you called us on the cell phone and now we're going to like come after you about it. Like, like you can't put an anonymous tip in or, or tip as Spider-Man and not expect there to be consequences. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that that's really, that's really smart. Like I didn't think about it when he called the FBI earlier, but it's like, yeah, of course they traced the, I didn't think call. about it when he called and I didn't even think about it when they grabbed him in the van. I was like, who's grabbing him? It wasn't until he literally pulled the phone out and was like, yeah. you called on this phone dummy. 
Yeah. Like it's funny. Like, oh, I mean, I'm a dummy too. <laughs> yeah. It's good. I actually think that that that's actually a really smart bit of writing. And I do, I like the scene in that I, well, I like Keith David a lot in this. Cause I yeah, do really think good. that Keith David is really trying to kind of actually play up the comedy a little bit of it, of this FBI agent being ridiculous because there's a, there are some like snarky bits that he says like in other scenes, I wish that they actually kind of made him even more over the top because I don't think it comes off as being as comedic as I think it should be. But, but I feel like I, there's a, there's a sensibility there that I think they're getting at that if they can be better at it might work for this show. I would like to see a take of it. I think it, yeah, I think it could work. I think it would just depend on the delivery. I I just have a hard time with this one because so much of this episode is so straight and like takes itself very seriously. Maybe that's why it needs more of of this actually. I I really get the sense that they were trying to make it make a little bit lighter of the FBI stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Just the way that he like inter- is interrogating Peters like so fiercely, but also yeah. like thinks that his, uh, his, his, uh, his tape that says bio on it because it's from by bi- the bio class is like, Oh, is this some kind of like biochemical agent you're working on and like takes it from him or whatever? Like, I think that stuff is kind of fun. Like the sort of paranoia of it and everything. Mm-hmm. I, th- I wish they pay it. They, they play it a little bit more. But like, I like that the, the direction that they're taking. And I think that's the kind of sense of humor. I don't know exactly like what that sense of humor is, but like, that's the kind of sense of humor that I can see fitting this show where it's just characters that are just kind of off and weird kind of playing into this world. I think that that could work if they can be a little better about it and a little more overt about it. Yeah. I'll have to keep my, I'll have to keep my eyes out for more of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, also, this is just a random thing that I wanted to mention. I, I think it's kind of fun. Before Peter gets abducted, he, he buys flowers and they have the whole joke where, like, he gets nice flowers and they're too expensive and then they get less nice. And it's, like, literally an exact joke from Spider-Man 2, which hasn't mm-hmm. come out, which hasn't happened yet. So it's just funny that, like, the same joke is kind of replicated in a different way. I think it's way funnier in Spider-Man 2 because uh, yeah. it's, it's all played, like, in a montage. And this one, it's a little, <laughs> a little, little too much time and time put into it but it's funny that it's just like kind of echoed it's a it's a very fundamental peter parker thing you know Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) well after this interrogation and like you said taking of the lecture tape the fbi drops him off in new jersey what a jerk which yeah it's just a dick move (laughs) i guess at this point he thinks that peter is really in cahoots with spider-man and might be like actually like working with crime stuff but just doesn't have enough on him to like arrest him or whatever so like he's gonna treat him like shit because he thinks that he's a criminal right now that's cool (laughs) i'm not saying it's good i'm just saying like i i I guess i i i I see why he did it i mean ultimately it guarantees that peter can't get to mj's show that's really what it is (laughs) yeah sure sure so he misses it a second time. So the next day, Peter apologizes once again, this time kind of actually telling them the story of being kidnapped by the FBI. But like, that sounds so utterly ridiculous that Harry and Mary Jane are both like, what are you talking about? Shut up. They make like a, a Men in Black reference with it. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, you know, Peter's just telling him about how he got abducted by men in black suits and Harry and Harry's and like a talking pug, right? Yeah, like they have a talking. But I, what I like about it, though, I think it's actually legitimately funny. Perry says that, which is just like a quippy line. But Peter like doesn't seem to get that he's making a joke. He's just like, no, I don't think they had animals anyway, and then keeps going with the story. Like he takes it fully <laughs> seriously. Yeah. <laughs> 
But yeah, so they don't believe him. MJ walks away from the conversation. Uh, and then Peter receives a call from the actual FBI agent who shares with Peter that the FBI received a tip stating that the satellite uplink would be established that day. And then in return, that kind of like cues in Peter or clues in Peter to remember what the the, the dude in the limo was talking about uh, earlier. There's so many people just overhearing other people about satellite uplinks and shit. Yeah. But Basically, he remembers a bit of information that he learned from Kingpin was that uh, the FBI should be looking for the same helicopter that was wildly flying about the city days before, the one that originally was meant to get Spider-Man's attention. Um, after the call ends, Peter then asks Harry for a favor since he knows that Harry has connections at Oscorp, uh, which we'll, I guess, see later on what that how that pays off. Yeah, I have questions about that. Yeah, I don't really, I didn't really understand that either, but we'll get to okay. that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> as long as I'm not the only one. No, so, I was confused. <laughs> that night on a rooftop with a large radio tower, they don't really define where this is. We just need to know that there's like a large radio tower or satellite dish, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, Kingpin and his men are preparing the TX-1, but Spider-Man arrives just as they're establishing the connection. So Kingpin, of course, is like, well, no, we don't want this, and manages to actually reverse a web net that Spider-Man shoots at him. So Kingpin basically like traps Spider-Man with his own web. <laughs> I don't know how he did. I don't understand how he did that. It doesn't sure. really make sense, but I think what they what they're telling us happens is that he shoots like basically little shuriken, like like little throwing stars but with like hooks on it that I guess grab onto and and carry the web backward like back towards Spider-Man, I guess. That's the only way I could think that it made sense. There's a few action things in this in the sequence that I don't understand at all. So, yeah. you know. <laughs> he has a fancy cane that could do anything. <laughs> sure. There you go. Basically. That works. <laughs> so Spider-Man is stuck to this radio tower, but luckily the FBI are in on everything that's going on. Like, he, they've gotten good tips from Peter and I guess Oscorp, uh, because when they arrive, they claim that a tip from Oscorp about following the helicopter proved to be correct, which Peter just told them. So like, I'm not really sure why he looped Harry in unless I just missed something. I don't understand either. Unless it's like maybe cause here's the, th- okay. I think maybe what's supposed to be happening because in the scene, when Peter tells the FBI agent that a bit of information, he just gets hung up on. And my first thought was like, Oh, I mean the dude's just all business and doesn't like Peter. So he hung up on him to act on yeah. that information. Peter gave him maybe what the implication is, is that, it's supposed to be saying that he doesn't believe Peter maybe. Mm. And that's why Peter gets someone at Oscorp to put in the tip because then it'll be some from a more reputable source that they believe. It's but not, if he doesn't believe Peter. Then why is he sharing right. information with him? Cause he shared, yeah, he shares a lot of information with Peter. It's not clear. Right. It doesn't make Who sense. He suspects. It work. Again, maybe this just isn't a very well-written show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, after the FBI arrive, if Kingpin uses his fancy cane to unle- unleash a smoke screen uh, before the FBI can apprehend him and begins to fly away in his helicopter. Fortunately, just as he does so, Spider-Man frees himself from his webbing, uh, latches onto the chopper. There's a whole little action sequence where uh, Spidey is like hanging on to the copter while it flies around the city. They try to make it look cool. It can only look but, cool, but so cool with this animation that they have in their limitations. Uh, but he eventually is able to climb up to the cockpit. Uh, he's able to down the helicopter helicopter um he pulls himself and kingpin out before it crash lands but like unfortunately it's caused some damage so so in his attempt to land land them on the to a nearby rooftop there's like a, a some kind of tower like radio tower or something that's like broken right that's about to to break 
Long story short, Spider-Man drops Kingpin, who is like falling dozens of stories to the sidewalk below as this like as the tower is also falling. Uh, And then it's just like cuts because Spider-Man's freaked out that Kingpin like might just like fall and die, which he doesn't. Yeah, he want. reacts like he 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 screams no. I yeah, think like yeah he doesn't yeah I mean not trying to kill the dude like that's a horrible way to die right. No, I know, um, but that's the like he he the where they leave us is him screaming no. Yeah, and then it just cuts, and he's fine on the ground, webbed up, surrounded by that piece of the radio tower that was falling. I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know. The happened. only way this works is if Spider-Man caught him or Kingpin can land on the ground undamaged from right. 20 stories up. I don't know. I don't know why they cut away from it unless they literally just like ran out of time and couldn't animate him catching Kingpin. So they're like, well, we'll just cut around it and you'll understand what happened. It'll be kind of like a joke, right? And we're like, it's not a joke. It's just confusing. What's happening here? Yeah. But yeah, Kingpin's fine, I guess, and captured the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got him. They got him. FBI's got him. They One got episode. Him. They got him. Yeah. Um, so at the theater, Peter catches up with Mary Jane. He actually finally makes the show this time. So he is able to do it. They have this awkward conversation outside of the theater. Like it seemed like they're being flirty like usual and everything. Uh, Mary Jane's like, oh, you know, I don't know why I was so obsessed with you coming. It's fine. And actually, you know, I, I, I didn't think you would. And then it alludes to like, Oh, she actually had another date that she's, that she booked basically after the show because she assumed that Peter wouldn't come. And it's some like blonde guy with a scene haircut. He's like tapping on his watch. Like, like, come on, let's go. Like, the dude seems like a douchebag, TBH, but yeah. whatever. Um, Is this Hydro that's... Man? <laughs> <laughs> but that's Mary Jane's date. And uh, Peter gives her the flowers, and she kisses him on the cheek before walking away and shedding just the funniest-looking tear I've ever seen in my life. It's so silly. I don't know. It's just this big blue glob. <laughs> it's so, so stylized. It's so stylized that it looks like the type of thing you would do to sort of simulate like doodling on top of a cartoon, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. It's also stupid because it's so overdramatic and there's this sort of like this like sad love song playing with like do 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 vocals in the background. But the whole <laughs> thing it's sort of like Mary Jane, if you want to go with Peter, then like break off your date with this guy. <laughs> like that you yeah, barely just, just just asked out and just go like you're in control here. Why, why are you, why do you have to be forced to go with this guy? I don't understand. You're, you're crying about it and you're yeah, going to have a sad man. night with this guy we've never seen before. I don't know who seems like a dick. Cause he's like tapping on his watch to signal that you need to leave. Like, what are you doing? Anyway, know. she's sad. Peter's sad. Everybody's sad. Cool. The end. <laughs> very, very different from the end of the last episode where everybody's ecstatic. Where she kissed him on the lips and then nothing happened yeah. after that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> God, this show is annoying <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> I just don't get it, man. I don't yeah. get it. If it's going to be like messy, at least be like fun about it. This is just like, I don't know. The the action's fine, I guess. But like, I think annoying. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think the first episode we covered of this show was sort of like egregiously bad. I think this one was just for me, like just kind of boring, which is maybe not worse, but almost as bad. (laughs) Like, And weird when you have Michael Clark Duncan as Kingpin in your episode and it's just like, well, okay. 
Yeah. Bank transactions, help, and, though. <laughs> I was going to say, and, and I'm sure this is partially just me, but like, there's just no way you're going to get me to care about like mysterious board of people who are embezzling money from banks. Like that's it's lit- the whole the whole if you if you if you plot the the sort of like crime from beginning to end, it's like Kingpin convinces Spider-Man to steal a key so that he can steal from banks. He gets the key, Spider-Man realizes what he does, has to steal the key back, and he does that and defeats Kingpin. Like that's that's all that happens. And the stakes are like <laughs> I understand that like an economy crash is obviously bad, but like well, sure. But but for a, this is a superhero show, so like that's not what I want. Show. And but B, it's what the show wants to be, right? It wants to like address like social issues. But like, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But it, like, because I, I remember there's the scene where like the Keith David FBI agent when he's talking about like the repercussions of Kingpin having it and like crashing the economy or whatever. It's actually has like the things that he lists aren't even like the devastating consequences of another, of like a huge economic crash. He just says like, it's going to cost billions of dollars to re-encrypt all of those bank transactions. Like that's what he hones in on is the worst thing that happens. I mean, I guess, but like, if you're going to talk about the consequences of an economic crash, talk about the consequences of an economic crash, not it's going to cost the American government a lot of money. Come on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't think they do a great job making us like invest in the consequences or the stakes or honestly even like the villain unfortunately. Like I'm really happy that Kingpin's here. I think it's really fun and I love that they took the route that they did. I mean aside from the eating stuff, but like Yeah. I just uh I wish he got to do something cooler. You know? I like his cane. I like his cane. cane was cool. I like his cane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I like. I like his suit. Good suit. I I like that his outline is pink. Too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like so I mentioned last week, there was something in this episode I wanted to highlight as really, I think, standing out as far as like integration into the environment with regards to like Spider-Man's model versus everyone else's. I feel like when you see both Kingpin and Spider-Man in the same scene, it really stands out. And part of it is because Kingpin is wearing a black suit with like a magenta outline, you know, mm-hmm. like this bright pink outline. But it really does highlight the way that those two characters are like lighted differently or like lit differently and then sort of incorporated into the environment differently. Um, And I think that's really where I was thinking, like, what is it about Spider-Man's model that isn't like meshing as well? And I think Mm -hmm. that kind of highlights a little bit. Makes sense. Better than the first one. Uh, Not a dumpster fire. So, yeah, at least least there's nowhere to go but up, I guess. Question mark. Yes. We're (laughs) on an upward trajectory two episodes in yeah uh i i will tell you not in hell anymore i remember the next episode that's coming up (laughs) being one that i liked and i think just based on who the villain is i think that we will enjoy it more inherently than these two cool we'll see you know if there's like problematic shit or frustrating shit in it but i feel like inevitably we're gonna enjoy it more i hope so that's all i'll say i hope so yeah um, <laughs> face of the episode uh always we love calling out eye stuff and yeah, spider-man loves eye stuff it does and i do think that this show does try to do some fun transitions they sometimes they may or may not always work this episode has some fun ones you know this episode has the funniest one where it's like harry is holding a mug uh-huh. and then the mug grows <laughs> yep and then kingpin's so holding a mug <laughs> it's so silly and it's so unnecessary and i'm like it's silly but uh, you know you're trying to do something uh, that's cool it's but it's very silly and I somebody learned that they it. could stretch that mug model <laughs> yeah and they were like guys i've got it <laughs> if you want to do something that's not cutting the black it's something 
Um, yeah. A transition I do really like is is the eye stuff face of the episode is like, it's just a close up on Spider Man's lens, and then it in his lens is the next scene, which is Spider Man like pacing on the top of a building, and then it just zooms into that scene, mm-hmm. and I think it's fun. I like it. Yeah, yeah, I dig it. I don't know, man. Uh, I think I I really have faith that we're gonna like next week's more. <laughs> I, whether it, I don't think that watching this whole show is going to be a slog because I do think that these two episodes are both like dealing, trying to deal with like social stuff or like a, adult economy things. And there are other episodes that are like more comic booky things or more sci-fi things. Yeah. I like, I know that for a fact. And I think that we're going to have more fun with those so that at least if they're as badly written or messy as these episodes are, they're at least going to be dealing with like fun stuff. So in the way that like watching any old cartoons can still be fun, even if they're bad, I'm hoping that we'll see some that are like, that was actually pretty good, but we'll see. We'll see. And that's, I mean, that's, I think that this show, at least the first two episodes of this show are highlighting something that I, I think people don't take seriously enough as a measurement of, quality because it's a much harder thing to pin down and it's it's purely subjective uh from an individual perspective but like i just want to have fun i just want to have fun watching the shows like and, and that isn't to say like i don't want them to incorporate intellectual things i think that unlimited in- incorporates to varying degrees of success some intellectual stuff but it also is fun most of the time you know mm-hmm. and spider woman sometimes is god awful but is almost always fun you know so i yeah. think like as long as as long as any episode of any of these shows isn't forgetting that like part of watching a superhero show is to have fun then like we'll be in the right area i feel like the the first episode we covered of the show, I think really forgot that it that we were supposed to have fun watching it. I think this one was more in that camp and just like maybe didn't go far enough in some some areas, right? I think they were primarily more focused on presenting the gray area around this weird housing situation. Uh-huh. And then in this one, it's it they were just so excited to tell us about these encrypted uh, transactions. transactions. <laughs> oh. like, come on, MTV show, don't forget to have fun. But Doug, the economy though. The economy the though. Economy? It's my favorite thing to talk about. I love I'm it so much. Sure the MTV audience was super into it. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the thing is like I think I like the fact that MTV is identifying itself as the type of network where people might be interested in those things, right? Like sure. it's not just that we show music videos and reality tv it's that like our audience also cares about what's happening in the world like whether that's true or not i like that they believe that you know so like it's it's cool it gives this this series a potential for a personality that we've mentioned already like no other show really kind of has mm-hmm. um, except maybe again unlimited is in a weird space where it kind of does that i think and people didn't realize that that's what it was doing yeah, it's also, uh, <laughs> i don't know if they realized all the time how much they were doing that. yeah well i think it's i i would say it's a way better show than the show is like i even not having rewatched the rest of this <laughs> well it's a better even with the flaws it's if better we're talking the about the first two episodes we covered of this show and the first two episodes we covered of that show absolutely the yeah. first two episodes of that show are i would argue very good yeah i agree, I agree. not just better but very good so yeah uh, just as long as we get to some episodes that are fun, you know, this, this, this won't be a, a total slog, but sure. you got to convince me MTV show. We're not off to a great start. You and I, <laughs> God, maybe we should have gone by airing order. <laughs> like, this is a, yikes. <laughs> There's no way to know. There's no way to know. It's not like you recently rewatched it. You know what I mean? No, I've never seen yeah. it. So I, it just yeah. is what it is. I think it makes sense to go in production order. 
you know, it's just, it is, it is what it is. I, I, I appreciate that they're taking a swing. For so sure. Let's see what happens with it. For sure. And, and if nothing else, we're, we tend to be a pretty positive show, like in the way that we view things. This should let you know that we're not doing that just for the sake of it. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like if we have something to criticize, we will. We're not just being sunshiny. Uh, God, because. I hope, I hope last week's wasn't anyone's first episode because yikes. I don't know. I think us at our most negative is still more positive than a lot of That's folks true. critique. That's a good point. <laughs> That's a good point. And I feel like we at least try to voice what we're angry about instead of just yelling. Yeah. I mean, there's way more yelling in that episode. Than I feel like I've ever done before on this podcast. But... <laughs> yeah. Look, if nothing else, this is going to be a memorable experience. Uh, and uh, I look forward to it. Yeah, I think I do. <laughs> <laughs> you have, there's more at stake for you because you've kind of, soft endorsed this show a little bit you know Um, like not not that you're saying it's like a great show or anything but like you've you've said like i don't think that everything will be bad (laughs) yeah i do i do think nevertheless it is still interesting in its bizarre place and the things that it's doing that literally no other show we ever cover will ever be doing you know sure not not saying that that's a good thing but like that does make it such a unique curiosity and i do think kind of like i said last week that's kind of why i think it's stuck in so many people's brains not yeah. not positively or negatively just period because you will never you really will never see another superhero show like this yeah. ever ever again just the way things are changing you know and the way things are done mm-hmm. and maybe that's good maybe that's a good this show would posit that that's a good thing but i do think the very specific unique identity that it has i do think is something that i i i find very fascinating about it sure sure well hopefully good memories you have of this show will not prove to be false yeah we'll see I want that for you. I want that for me too. And I want that for us <laughs> and for our listeners. All right. Well, if you would like more content from us, uh, a break from the MTV show already, perhaps uh, you can check out our Patreon. That, that was really mean. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash walloping web snappers and check out our discord uh, where you can tell us all about this show. If it, if it happens to be your favorite, it's someone's favorite. Everything is someone's favorite. So oh, it, this has like a huge, this has a very committed fan base. There are people online cool. that are awesome. trying, that are trying to make a season two of it like themselves by like actually making their own character models and stuff. Oh, that's like cool. I, like that. I think that's, I love the creativity of it. I think that's really cool. Cause this is a show you could do that for, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, so I think that's cool. There is a committed fan base. If you're into it, more power to you. I'm not mad about it, but I like not I even said, just I, that. If you're yeah. part of that committed fan base, please, I would like to hear from you. Yeah, um, yeah. Especially as we're covering it, right? Like as we go along, I would like to hear thoughts from people. So, mm-hmm. um, easiest way to do that is is to to pop into our Discord where we can just have some chats, some informal chats. Uh, there should be a link in the show notes. Uh, if you can't find it, just let us know. In the meantime, you can find uh, Derek and me all over the place on the internet. Derek, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. You can also find my podcast called Gimmicks, which looks at the uh, high concept, experimental, structure-breaking gimmick episodes of television with a new show and new guest every single week. You can find that anywhere you get your podcasts, or you can find it on Twitter and Instagram at Gimmicks Pod. What about you, Doug? 
find me on Twitter at Ikibuli, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. You can also listen to me on a Pokemon podcast here on the 4 Radio Network called Victory Road. And if you like books and video games, you can listen to me on Novel Gaming, a podcast where my friends Vicky and Katie and I get together to catch up on all the media we've been consuming lately. If you would like more from Derek and me together on podcasts, you can listen to our monthly podcast, Falling with Style, an ongoing Pixar movie marathon, where we watch every Pixar film chronologically and our episode on Cars 3, the one Pixar movie I haven't watched yet. Uh, it comes out on March 13th, wherever you get your podcasts. So uh, one to look forward to, I would argue. One that I'm looking forward to recording, for sure. For sure. You can visit us on our website at wallopingwebsnappers.com for a full archive of everything Derek and I are working on together uh, in an easy and sortable way. You can also follow Walloping Web Snappers on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Walloping Web Pod or email us at wallopingwebsnapperspodcast at gmail dot com please rate review and subscribe to walloping web snappers on all podcast platforms or whichever ones you use because if you like what we're doing here somebody else will too and they just haven't found us yet and those ratings and reviews make us much easier to find next week i had a feeling this is who the villain was going to be when you said what you said uh next week spidey faces the lizard in law of the jungle i told you dude this is one that i remember liking a lot i hope it stays that way <laughs> i'm nervous I feel like at the very least there will be cool stuff going on it's I feel hard like, it's hard to fuck up the lizard yeah. in a show you know yeah 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 and i feel like you would remember if they fucked it up so yeah i look forward to it i'm excited for next week see yeah. you then see ya see ya